Thank you. Be seated and take your Bible and open it up to the book of Ephesians and chapter 6. The book of Ephesians chapter 6. You know, it's nice living in America. I really enjoy being a citizen of this great country. But you know, the main purpose of our government is to defend, protect, to secure our life, liberty, and our pursuit of happiness, or our property, so that you and I can enjoy life, and you and I can be free to do whatever we want, and uh, we can uh, be able to keep what we make. Isn't that wonderful that you get to keep everything that we make? <laughs> no, I'm not waxing political this morning, but just trying to give you an idea that we are supposed to enjoy the liberties which others have fought and died so that we could and uh, that our freedom is not really just so that we can do whatever we want to do because see God has not released us yet to do whatever we want to do God has given to us responsibilities so a man should want his freedom so that he can fulfill his responsibilities to God to his wife or to his children, to his neighbor. So there's things that God has given to us, and we want the freedom to do so. Now that works good, or supposed to, in the physical realm. But you and I have been called to battle, to a war. And you say, well, I, I don't, I don't want to fight, you pacifist. <laughs> You've got to, whether you like it or not. As you'll notice in my little first note there, the call to do battle means to struggle, to wrestle, to fight, resist, to war, is to God's children alone, especially concerning the battle that we're going to talk about this morning. So in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, I want you to look there in verse 10. Finally, my brethren. So we know we're talking to believers when he says, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and have it on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, those are some very interesting verses, but we need to understand who we are where we are and what we're supposed to be doing. If you'll look there in your notes there, I want you to see the little statement that I wrote. To know your enemy and his strategy is absolutely essential. Now, you may think that your wife is the devil or you may think your husband is the devil. But see, you haven't figured them out yet. And since you haven't figured them out, that means you couldn't figure out the tactics of the devil. So forget your husband and your wife. There's something behind the scenes. There is a real devil that you cannot see. 
Just like there's God and you cannot see. There's heaven and hell you cannot see. So there's a lot of things that you and I cannot see. I had a man tell me, well, I don't believe in anything I can't see. I said, you got a brain. He says, smarty. <laughs> but anyway. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. That's half the battle. So I know that if we only feed the flock, we fatten them for the kill. The wolves are hungry. But if all we do is warn the flock, then we starve them to death. And so we don't want to do that. So trying to get a balance between feeding the flock and guarding the flock and warning the flock is sometimes a difficult thing to do. If I was to tell you that uh, this person is a wolf, and I say it too soon, and you say, I don't see anything wrong with him. And then if I wait too long, and he done gobbled up half of you, well, why didn't you say something? Sometimes you can't win. So we're always fighting battles, especially when you're fighting for the, the minds of an individual. See, the pastor's always trying to fight for your mind. Because we know that during the day, <laughs> during the week, who knows where your mind has been? And who has been trying to influence your mind? And some of you have been watching things you probably shouldn't watch, reading things you shouldn't read, and got friends who have interjected thoughts and theories and so forth into your brain and philosophies of the world. And then you come to church. And then you hear something contrary. Well, I don't believe that. Well, I don't believe that. Well, I don't believe that. It makes it kind of rough trying to get people to think the way God wants them to think. So the next statement I have down here is, the key to winning is believing you can and will. You see, I've been fighting a battle for a little over 50 years. I've won a lot of battles. Lost a few little skirmishes, but I've won a lot of battles. I actually think I have fought more fights than a guy named Cassius Clay or Mike Tyson. You see, they was just fighting with the flesh. I was doing a lot more than that. I've been fighting some spiritual battles with an enemy you can't see. Oh, it's different when you can get in a ring and you can see your enemy and see the, you know, that fist coming at you. You can weave and dodge and rope a dope. But I'm talking about something that's more real than that. I'm talking about the battle that goes on in your mind. So as a child of God... There is a real war going on. See, if I was the devil, no, I'm not. If I was the devil, I would do everything in my power to confuse you, to lead you astray, to get you to question or to doubt God. Whatever it would take, by all means, to get you away from the things of God. I would do everything I could to keep you out of church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or whatever, any time. Because I don't want you to hear the word. Because I know the power that this word can have if it gets into your brain up there. It could change your whole life. It could make a difference. So there is a war going on. Now Joshua in chapter 1, it talks about, be, be not afraid. Be of good courage. He says, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And it says that you're to study my word so that you can meditate upon these things so that it will make your way prosperous in whatsoever I ask you to do. And so um, he says, thou shall have good success. So God wants us to succeed. God wants us to be successful. I wrote down two little failures here. 
in this uh, area of serving the Lord, there's two main things that people get wrong. They go from one extreme to the other. I'm just going to let God do it all. Let God do it all. And that sounds so spiritual. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let God do it all. Well, now that can be good to a point. If that's what God wants you to do, let him do it all. But as I read the Bible, I find out that there's things, there's things in the Bible that God wants me to do. And I cannot shirk my responsibility by giving it back to him. When I was in Colorado and we had buses and we would want to run those buses on Thursday night for our youth meeting, I could have stayed home and says, no, I'm just going to let the Lord drive that bus tonight. After all, I'm just going to rest in the Lord. I'm just going to turn it all over to Him. And I don't have to do anything. Just let God do it all. I don't think any one of those buses would have rolled. The Sunday school teacher in the classroom was, well, no, I'm not going to teach today. I'm just going to let God do it. Now, see, there is certain times when you need to just totally trust the Lord on things that you can't do anything about. Sometimes we call it, you no, know, we pray like it all depends on God. And then we work like it all depends on us. And it's amazing how many more things you'll get accomplished in your life. But some people run from their responsibilities and then just, well, whatever God wants, whatever God wants to do. And it can sound so spiritual and so holy and yet be so sinful. Because it means you don't discipline yourself and you don't fight the battles. You don't do anything. And then you whine, complain about all the sorry things that happens to you in life. Did you know that there is the consequences of making bad decisions? So start making better decisions and you'll be surprised that the result could be better. But the other extreme is I can do it all myself. I don't need God, I don't need church, I don't need anything. I'm a self-made man. You quit too soon. And some people, instead of give it all to God, or I can do it all myself. And you're not capable of standing against the devil. You can't win against him. You see, the devil is stronger than you are. He's mightier than you are. He has more tricks than you know about. He's going to deceive you. The Bible says he hath deceived the whole world. Now, while you're right here in the book of Ephesians, I want you to see two verses. But look there in Ephesians in chapter 3. And notice that God wants us to learn and understand more about the love of God. You see, you knew that he loved you when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to down the cross and pay for your sins. That's how God explains or shows to us, demonstrates to us that he really loves us. But as you study the rest of Scripture and find out what God wants you to do, you're, still, you're just learning more about the love of God. And he talks about the height and the breadth and the depths of the love of God. But in verse 20, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You see, it's not just a matter of just, I'm going to let God do it all. No, it's talking about asking of God means a dependence 
upon God. You're asking God to do something because you want something. You're desiring something. You're thinking about the things of God. Lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge God. To acknowledge God means thank God, thank God, thank God. And so he says, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Now, look over there in Ephesians in chapter 6. Because you cannot have Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, without doing Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Verse 11 says, put on. That's responsibility. That means it's not a matter of God's going to do it all. No, he's telling you to put on because God says, I'm expecting you to wrestle, you to fight, you to resist, you to study, you to witness, you to pray. Well, I'm just going to trust the Lord to do it all. God doesn't want to do it all. He will do what you can't do, but he will expect you to do what you can do. And many of God's children run from their responsibility, hiding under a cloak of pseudo-spiritualism that won't work. It won't work in your life. Because, you see, like we want the government to defend our nation so that you and I can have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Well, God says... I've got something that I want you to do, and if you'll defend yourself the way I tell you to, uh, God says, I'm going to have you enjoy a spiritual life. The spiritual life. To enjoy that spiritual walk with the Lord that you can't have no other way. And if you do not learn how to defend yourself, to protect yourself, you're in a heap of trouble. It's not going to work. So I want you to understand this. You see there in number one, point number one, why I need to be strong. Why I need to be strong. Look in 1 Peter and chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You may know this verse, but look at it one more time. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And the reason you need to be strong is because, letter A, because of the power of the enemy. You have an enemy. And you'll notice I just wrote down three little things, but I'll kind of give you an idea. Uh, he got the first man and woman. He got them. He got the strongest man in the world. You ever heard of Samson? Went to the wrong barbershop. Lost his hair. He uh, Also, he got the wisest man in the world. The wisest man. And if you'll look at my notes there, the first man, the strongest man, the wisest man in the world. And now he's after who? He's after you. Who's after you? A lion. A lion is after you. You say, well, I can't see him. Oh, but he's real. He is as real as a real lion. If God is real, this lion is real. And look what he says here. In verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, be caught, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, evidently, according to this, he wants to devour somebody. And if he's got the first one, and he got the wisest, he got the strongest, how you doing? How do you know he hasn't already 
you know, got you. You know, the devil is a deceiver. He deceives. So that means he's, he could get you without you knowing it. Otherwise, because if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. Because you're not assured of all of his traps that he lays. You need to understand your enemy. You'll only understand your enemy by studying what God says about him. Because you can't see him. But he is alive and he is well on planet earth. And he does a, an awful lot of damage. Now, if you look there at letter B. Because of the evil day. Because of the evil day. And look here in 2 Timothy in chapter 3. 2 Timothy in chapter 3. And look in verse 1. As I said there in the notes, it's the same as before, only more. Every day is not the same. You see, today you may be doing fine. But tomorrow's coming. And you don't know what tomorrow may bring. And you don't know that the devil might dangle some bait in front of you. Some temptation. Maybe he'll get you to become dishonest or unfaithful. You see, there's all kind of things out there tomorrow. You may be fine today. But there's always certain days it seems like everything come unglued. You're not always on cloud nine. You're not always in the best frame of mind. You're not always with a smiley face and excited. There's some days there's going to be a lot of heartache and grief. And that little smiley face is going to go the other way. And there's days you're going to have great moments of depression. You get down. You get discouraged. And all these things that can happen to you. The devil is real. And he is your enemy. And he has power. And he wants to ruin your life. Strip you of your character. Ruin your testimony. So here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, look in verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Talking about people in the last days are going to become unholy. It means not like God. Ungodly means you're not like God. Godly means you're like God. Holy means you're holy in your life. It makes a difference. He says, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinence, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of, <clears throat> lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Uh, God says all this in his word. Well, how do you know when the devil has been doing a work on you? How do you know when you can't really see your enemy and yet look at your life? See what's going on in my life. Examine yourself. An unexamined life is not worth living. So you want to examine and see, well, how am I doing? There's a real enemy. So you have to compare what does God want me to do? How does he want me to be? Now, am I doing that? So you got to have something to compare. You see, you can't discern error unless you can discern truth. That's why you have to know the truth to see how bad something really is. Something isn't bad because, you know, you think it is. 
And something isn't good because you think it is. You have to have a standard, and that's the Word of God. So you study the Word of God so that you can know what God says about a particular thing. So important. Look there in your notes. I want you to see this. Because of my weakness. Because of my weakness. You see, I know the devil is strong. I know the war is going on. But I need to understand that I am weak. And get this. Without Christ, he says, I can do nothing. John 15. Without Christ, I can do nothing. So that means that I, I do need him, but I am supposed to do something. Willpower and desire are not enough. Well, if the mind can conceive, the body can achieve. Hogwash. I'm going to float up off this platform. Okay, that dog didn't hunt. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Boom. That really didn't work. And there's a few other stupid things I could do. And you know they'd be stupid. But get this. Signs of weaknesses are revealed by my unhappiness, misery, discouragement, depression, madness, bitterness, jealousy, fear, worrying, lying, deceiving, and so on. So, if this is a description of my present status in life, I have a problem. Because that's not how God wants us to be, because those things are the works of the flesh. It means that you may want more, and your willpower won't make it happen. And just because you desire something better, won't make it happen. There's a responsibility that God has given to you and to me, and that will make it happen. When we seek to fulfill that which God has given to us, and to do things the way that God says to do it. Now, look at the part that I have in bold there. It is also revealed by my failure, my failure to bless. Are you a blessing to people? Does God, is he able to use you to be a blessing to other people? Or are you a curse? Do people want to be around you or do they run from you? What kind of a person are you? Are there people going to heaven because of you? Do you witness? Do you do the things you should? Look what I got here. It is also revealed by our, my failure to bless, to encourage. Did you know that people are having a hard time? Everybody's having a rough time. We're living in a time where there's a lot of economic woes in this old world. A lot of fear about things that may happen or not happen. And a lot of people don't know where to come down. They don't know what to do. Well, here you and I are, and we know the Lord, and we're rock solid on the Word of God. And we don't have to worry like people who don't know the Lord. So we don't have to worry. The reason because, see, when you get strong in the Lord, it means you have become immune. You need to build up your immune system. So how you doing? Now, you know and I know that there's some people, they'll run to the doctor every time they get a runny nose. Get a hangnail. <laughs> major surgery and you got to run to the doctor on every little thing and then there's some people they don't go until they're just about dead 
They want to be able to keep that record. I haven't been to a doctor all my life. And they're half dead. But they've got the record they've got to keep, you know. I don't need no doctors. Well, blessed be God, I'd be dead if there wasn't a few of them. So I guess I could say I'm, uh, I'm thankful that we have hospitals and doctors and nurses. I think we need all of them. But there's some things that God wants us to be able to observe in our own life and see how we're doing. Examining yourself. You're in a war. If you're not fighting, what did you do? Surrender? Did you wave a white flag? It'd be like there's people over in other countries, say the Middle East, and they want to destroy our country. Isn't it amazing that as strong as America is, there's people who still want to bring us down. True? It don't matter what you do, how much good you've done around the world trying to preserve freedom and giving to people and all the foreign aid that we've done over the And yet there's people that want to destroy America. Okay. Should we just go ahead and surrender? Just let them have the thing. If they want this country, I'm tired of fighting. Let's just let them have it. Just come on. Now, there's a few people that agree with that. But there's still a few that says, over my dead body. And they'll fight to the death. Or here you are in the Christian realm. But see, ours is not fought with flesh and blood. Not with guns and tanks. The battle we talk about that we have to fight is a spiritual battle. But God has given to you and I all the means necessary to stand, to fight. And that is a responsibility. But it is a commitment. And so, it's up to us to decide what we really want to do. Look there at number two. How to be strong. How to be strong. Well, you've got to build up your immune system. The power of his might. You know, that was mentioned there in that verse. Be strong in the power of his might. The power of his might is an expression of his potential. Power is an expression. Might is the potential. Did you realize that you have the expression of his potential available to you and I? So that we're able to do what God wants us to do. And we can fight. And we can win. But like I wrote up there, that uh, the key to winning is believing you can and yet you will. I actually believe. Now, I know the temptation is out there, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All those things are everywhere, and they're real. I have an old sinful nature. But I know, according to the book, if I walk in the Spirit, or walk in obedience to what God says, that the Holy Spirit that He gave to me is able to whoop the devil. I don't have to be able to whoop the devil. All I have to do is yield to the Lord, and he will fight by battle. But I have to do the yielding. I can't fight him myself. I don't help him fight him. I'm just to learn and stand according to the truth of God's word, because, see, it's a battle of the mind. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove or to accept that perfect 
will of God. That you can understand. That you can fight that battle. And he talks about it in the book of Corinthians about bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. Where the Lord captures your thoughts. Why? Because if the Lord doesn't capture your thought, the devil will. And if he captures your mind, you're done. You're done. And that'll cause you to be unfaithful to your husband or to your wife. It'll cause you to be a, a bad father or a bad mother. It will take its toll. You see, the devil wants to destroy. And all the feuding and the fussing and the boom, 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 all that, because there is a devil and he's real and he's powerful and he works. Now, letter A there I have down is take your spiritual medicine, building up your spiritual immune system with the Word of God. Now, physically, we know that in this world, there are certain things that we can do to become immune to certain diseases. Uh, most of you in here, if you've got any age on you at all, had to have shots when we were growing up. We had shots for, what, mumps, chicken pox, measles. I don't care, all kind of shots. When I got ready to go to India, they wanted to load me up on a bunch of more shots. Hepatitis A, hepatitis B, and I had to have shots for, uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of shots. I felt like a pincushion. And then I had to take pills for cholera. And even after I got back, I had to take them for another two weeks or so. But why? Because to build up your resistance so that disease can't destroy you. You see, but if I don't take my medicine, it still doesn't do me any good. You say, well, I went to church. I heard the word. <laughs> yeah, but you don't take your medicine. You're not faithful in taking your medicine like the doctor said. You see, the Lord is the great physician, isn't he? Doesn't he know what you need? And he's trying to build up your immune system spiritually. So when that temptation comes up, you are immune to it. Because, you see, it's created a stronger resistance to that. And a lot of God's children won't take their medicine. And they don't build up their immune system, and so they have no resistance. And the devil is able to tempt you, to lure you. Or some little girl come up, uh, hello, big boy. And you go. <laughs> you look at. <laughs> Why? Because you don't build up your immune system. So that you can withstand the temptations of the devil. So sometimes you play little games. Like the mosquito around the flames of the fire. Won't get me, won't get me, won't get me, won't get me, won't get me. <laughs> Got him. When you play with fire, you're going to get what? And a lot of you are going to get burned. And that's what causes you. Listen, when you don't take your medicine like you should and build up your immune system, that's why you get angry so fast. That's why you get cutting, sharp, bitter, say mean and ugly and hateful things to each other. You see, that is evidence. That's the evidence 
You're not taking your medicine. It means you're not taking the Word of God and applying it. You say, well, I, I, I took it last year. I mean, could you see me doing that as a doctor? He says, yeah, but it says two times a day. In a row for six weeks. Yeah, but do you realize, okay, if I take all of this at one time, just think how fast I'll get well. Now, I almost went to see the Lord one time. And the reason was is because <laughs> I did something stupid. I had hurt my foot in this tank, a dunking tank. It was for Western Day. And there wasn't much water in it because so many people had been in there before me and then splashed it all out. So they said, Yankee, it's your turn. The pastor's turn. So I got to get out there and do this thing. So I climbed up on this little board. And as I climbing up on this board, I'm leaning down. I haven't got on it yet. And I looked and I see this guy winding up. And I thought, not yet. I'm not, I'm not on it yet. Of course, all the hollering and yelling. He didn't hear me. And I thought, well, he probably couldn't hit the side of a barn if he was on the inside of it. He swung that thing, and he hit that thing dead center. It went that away, and I went that away, and I wasn't fully braced. I was half side, half the water in the tank's gone, and my right foot hit up against the edge, and it really ached. And I was in the bottom of the tank, and they couldn't see me. I was cringing. I was hurting. I wish you could feel my pain. So I got up, and I smiled and laughed. Ha, ha, ha. But I couldn't get out. I had to stay in there for about half an hour. So I climbed back up on there, and they put me down again. I got up there. Everybody wants to put the preacher in. I don't care who it is. Everybody wants to get the preacher. So at the end of the day, I was in Hertzville. I could hardly walk. So that night, I saw that little pill. It says 800 milligrams ibuprofen. I thought, I want that to help. That ought to help. I have no clue where we got them or how many we had. I don't know. There's one. I thought, well, if one will help, just think what two will do. But I didn't know you were supposed to eat them after you had food. I didn't know anything about that. So right before I go to bed, I take two of those things. Slept like a log. My foot felt so much better. No pain. The next day, it started wearing off. So that night, I thought, I'll take, I never told Betty this. I mean, I know how to take a pill. I mean, what do you think I am, dumb? So I took two more the next night. Well, the next day, I, I, I could hardly move. I had a bleeding ulcer, but I didn't know it. And by the time my wife got me to the VA hospital, they said a little bit more. He said he would have been dead. They had to give me a blood transfusion. No. Anyway, I didn't die. <laughs> but see, the reason that you study the Word of God is, and you can't do it all at one time, because it's here a little and there a little. Here a little, there a little. Too much light will blind you. So God doesn't want us to have too much all at one time. So he gives us a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit here and a little bit there. So we study the word of God, and God has to have time to apply. We have to apply it. And when we do that, we'll be stronger, and we build up a resistance to things. So when those people say those mean, ugly things to you, you don't have to say those mean, ugly things back. Why? Because you, you, you can resist that. Now, you may want to, but you can resist it. 
See, I've often wanted to take and come out of the podium and get a hold of somebody. And I wouldn't do that if it wasn't for love, because I just love to do it. But you constrain yourself because you got the power to say no. But see, that takes the power from the, the book. And a lot of God's children don't have that discipline. And so, it's because, but they haven't built up their immune system. And this is what God wants you to do. Build up your immune system. Now, letter B, seek spiritual fellowship. So it's not just a matter of you studying the Word and believing the Word, and you might even do it on a regular basis. Well, I don't need church. Okay, wait, 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 wait. That, that shows you're a little naive as it is. God says you do. You say, well, I don't need God says you do. Now, who would you believe, you or God? The church wasn't designed by the pastor. This is not my idea. God designed this. God started this thing 2,000 years ago. So it's the will of God. God says that we come together because it encourages one another. You're building up friendships because if you don't build the right kind of friendship with the right kind of people that believe the right kind of thing, you're going to build the wrong relationships with the wrong people. You see, water seeks its own level. And whenever you don't choose wisely and you choose people that don't walk with God as your closest friends, you've got a problem. It's not wise. So you seek the fellowship with God's people because you see, they help you build up immunity to the wrong kind so that you can be strong and withstand and especially in the evil day when it all comes pouring down upon you. Remember it says... It rains upon the just and the unjust. It means that lost people have problems just like Christians have problems. But the Christian becomes immune to the destructive force of the wind and the rains and the flood. Because you are built upon a rock and you can stand when others fall. So it's important for a Christian to keep this in mind. Now... I want you to look there very quickly in the book of James in chapter 4. Just turn over there real quick to your right. James chapter 4. And look in verse 7. In verse 7. I have written down here, Weekly fellowship helps to build your immune system. A strong immune system builds up your resistance to the temptations of the world, which are used by the devil. So it's like the doctor saying, uh, you know, take these two pills and see me in the morning. I often tell Christians, read this portion of Scripture and see me next week. And if you'll read this Scripture every day for seven days, I bet you it'll help you. You see, this is what gives you the control of your attitude because it affects the way you think. And that's what helps you. When you live your Christian life and you're filled with anxiety and worry and fears, that's a dead giveaway to an undisciplined mind. It means the devil is having a heyday with you because you haven't built up your immune system. You haven't built up the resistance that you need. You say, well, I don't go on Sunday nights. I don't go on Wednesday nights. I don't come to Sunday school. I don't need it. You do, but you don't believe it. But you do. It would help build up your resistance to a lot of things. That is affecting you, but you don't see it's affecting you. 
Nobody in over 50 years has ever had to try to get me to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Nobody. You say, that's because you're a preacher. No, I'm a preacher because I did do it. I did it before. I did it before I ever went to Bible college. I did it while I was in Bible college. I did it when I went to Colorado. And I started a ministry. You see, you do what you know if you want to stay strong and build up your immune system, then you need to get all the word you can get and all the fellowship you can get. You can do whatever you want, but don't blame God when you're down and discouraged and you're always depressed and when you're whining and complaining and moaning and groaning about everything that's going on. That's a sign because you're not doing what God says do. This book works. But just like I can have that medicine on the counter and it's my pain pills that helps me to survive this until it goes away. But if I don't take the pain pills and put them into the body, it don't work. And as long as your verses stay in your Bible and not into your heart, it won't work. And you, uh, you are causing it to have no effect. No effect. Look down there at the... Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What's that word? Resist the devil. You know, I just can't. How do you resist the devil? By resisting the temptation that he puts in your way. He will lure, tempt. Talks about be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks or the snares of the devil. He's real. And he's going to get you. You say, well, so far, so good. Like the lady that jumped off the Empire State Building. Halfway down. Well, so far, so good. Some people can't figure this out. But I'm sure you can. Listen. Do you know why I want kids to go to family camp? And why I want adults to go to family camp? I want to give them a shot to help them be immune to the cares of this world. Where you become more concerned about spiritual things. That will help you because everything is where you're going to lose it anyway. I'm not interested in saving America, but I am interested in getting America saved. But I know if I can get those kids to go to camp and I eliminate a lot of things and give them that which is good, it'll help build up their immune system. Now, I know it don't last long. That's why I used to always have camps three times a year. Give them another shot. I think it's time... It's even good for adults to get a good old shot once in a while to help build up your immune system so that you can be a stronger Christian. Stop and think. Don't you want to be a strong Christian? Don't you really, really want to enjoy life? Don't you really want to be happy? Don't you really want to have joy? Don't you really want to have peace? It's where I'm talking about. It's in this book. It's in the Lord. Be strong and in the power of His might. The expression of that potential that's there, but you never avail yourself of it. Like having some medicine that you've gone to the doctor, but you never take the medicine. Look at the conclusion. We have looked at the strength of Satan, the weakness of man, and the power of God. The one who totally defeated the devil can strengthen you. I wonder who that was. 
Christ came into the world and totally defeated the devil, and he's the one that can tell you how to deal with him. Doesn't it make sense to listen to somebody who really knows the enemy and knows how to fight him? And knows how to protect you and defend you and give you all the strength and the grace that you need. Doesn't it make sense? I think it does. Romans chapter 8 says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. So it's not just that I can win a little battle here. It's, it's going to last for all eternity. I'm more than just a conqueror. I'm really going to win. I'm going to get something when I win. I hope this makes a little sense to you. By the way, I've got a great big old needle over there. In the, and I'm going to give everybody an inoculation shot. We just go to church and everybody, okay, roll up your sleeve and give everybody a shot. And that will keep you suffice for the next week. Well, that's why we study the Word of God on a daily basis. You can't just do it. Well, I studied the Bible last year. I memorized a verse five years ago. No, daily, all the time been at it. How strong do you want to be? Look up here. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I've been talking to those who have. But if you don't know where you're going when you die, let me show you this. This is you and me. The wall represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, He loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. To pay for the sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God says He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. So God says you cannot save yourself by your good deeds. All of your good works will not get you to heaven. Heaven is not a reward that you earned the right to go there. No. This hand represents Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took the sin of the whole world Died on that cross, paid for the sin, came back from the dead. And he said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account. Christ was my payment. He paid for my sins. If Christ paid for all the sins of the world, why should I have to go to hell and pay for sin? Well, I won't if I accept the payment he made. So the only reason anybody goes to hell is because they have not accepted the payment Christ made. He was that payment. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the living proof, the payment for your sin for all eternity. And God says when you believe he did it for you, he gives you as a free gift, everlasting life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Good news. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Friend, I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want you to join anything. I don't want anything from you. I just want you to receive something. I want you to receive the free gift of eternal life. I want you to trust Christ to take you to heaven when you die. And I'm not going to have you, like I said, do anything except in your own mind, right where you are. Would you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him right now to take me to heaven whenever I die. And friend, if you will do that, God said he will save you, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven. I'd like to know it. 
I'd like to have you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. You don't have to come forward. Oh, with heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me this morning, and then I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand up very quickly? Yes, God bless you back there. I'd say your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else before we close? So yes, that made sense to me, and I want to know that I'm going to heaven, and I want you to pray for me. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. Our Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, for the one that indicated they would trust your Savior. By doing so, they become your child, your child forever, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them, and you give them eternal life. We ask, Father, your blessings upon each person here, each family represented. And, Father, I pray that each one will seek to be strong, to build up their immune system by taking the medicine that you've offered in your word. In Christ's name, amen.